0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. This evening we want to try to connect all the dots from the last few weeks and then go forward as the sort of church that God would have us be. In the last few weeks, starting in John chapter 6, we've learned that Jesus' world is a great big world. It is bigger than any of us could have imagined. And in the middle of that great big world, Jesus is building himself a church, With his words over the past few weeks, Jesus has been telling us what sort of church he wants. In that great big world, Jesus wants to build a church where there is always more than meets the eye. Where, for example, bread is more than bread. You and I were supposed to think Moses and manna and Holy Supper. And where water is always more than water. You and I were meant to think Exodus and Red Sea and Holy Baptism. And we were supposed to see Jesus as more than just a clever man or even an aspiring king. He is the Savior who gives his life for the life of the world. With his words, Jesus has told us what kind of church he wants, and with his deeds revealed in the Gospels of the last few weeks, he has shown us what that church looks like in real time. Jesus wants to fill his church with all sorts of people we don't necessarily want to be around, the sick and the poor and the lost, and with all sorts of things that we don't necessarily like to do, forgive and serve and comfort. But he does that for a reason, Jesus does that so deaf people don't have to stay deaf and mute people don't have to stay mute and demonized people don't have to stay possessed and Gentiles like you and me can come to a church like this. So with his words of witness and his acts of mercy these past few weeks, Jesus has been thinking beyond himself. He has been seeing beyond himself, doing beyond himself. Jesus has been stretching out to the little, the last, the least, the lost, and the dead. Jesus has been making himself a church that looks and sounds just like he does, rich and thick and dense, and sacramental and communal. And he has done all of that big work in the middle of a thin and tired and broken and needy world. And he does that because he wants all his children back. That is who Jesus wants, and that is what Jesus wants from us. Last week in the Gospel, you remember that Peter tried to take the church away from Jesus. Peter got frustrated when he heard that all of Jesus showing and telling and doing, all his works and all his deeds, all his preaching and his teaching and his feeding and his healing, were pushing him toward the cross. So Peter pushed back. As long as I'm around, said Peter, that will never happen to you. We'll find another way. Peter was trying to put some distance between himself and the cross. Peter was trying to have a church without a cross, without a Jesus who suffers and dies. But you remember that Jesus would not have it. In response, Jesus did a striking thing that is almost unheard of. Jesus was honest. He was honest with St. Peter. He bellows at him, get behind me, Satan. But at the same time, Jesus pulls Peter up close. He doesn't bellow at him to destroy him. Jesus is trying to help. And so we learn that honesty, real honesty, doesn't push back and doesn't push folks away. Real honesty draws folks near. It closes the gap. It builds the community. It eliminates distance. Honesty is a way to get everybody on the same page. Everybody tucked in close behind Jesus, following in his footsteps as his disciple. It is a particularly good place to be, and it is where disciples belong, close to Jesus. In tonight's gospel, however, we learn that in the church, some lessons are learned hard. And unfortunately, the gospel for this evening is just a variation on the theme. Last week, Peter tried to take the church away from Jesus. This week, the disciples try to take the church away from each other. We come to the Gospel this evening, and Jesus is leading his disciples toward Jerusalem and to the cross. As he goes, as he walks, he teaches with words and deeds. Again and again, with honesty, he says, The Son of Man will be betrayed, the Son of Man will be killed, and in three days he will rise again. The disciples are too thick to understand this, and they are too afraid to ask him about it, and so they don't keep pace. They fall behind. In fact, they fall back far enough. Pretty soon there is so much distance between them and Jesus that they think they can argue among themselves about who is the greatest without Jesus hearing them. Later that night, when they're home in Capernaum, Jesus asked them what was going on. Instead of telling him They go quiet. The disciples go secret. I don't know if it has ever occurred to you, but secrecy is the enemy of the gospel. Why is that? Because secrecy is the opposite of honesty. The opposite of the very thing the very honesty that Jesus uses to build his church, to cure us, and to draw us up behind him week after week. Secrecy lives in the dark. Secrecy fights the truth. Secrecy is marked by immaturity and shame. So when Jesus shines some light on it with an honest question, what were you talking about? Their secrecy scurries away like a roach. But Jesus presses near. Jesus won't tolerate their secrecy. Because secrecy will not only create distance between him and his disciples, it will also create distance among the disciples themselves. It will push one disciple away from another. So secrecy is anti-Christ and anti-church and anti-words of witness and anti-acts of mercy. Secrecy undoes what Jesus is trying to do. It fights against the kind of church that Jesus wants to have, an honest church, a thick, rich, mature, open, communal church. And that is why secrecy cannot be tolerated in the church. Now if you are clever, you might say, wasn't Jesus himself being secret? Last week he was hiding so people wouldn't find him. And the gospel this week begins with Jesus once again hiding from the crowds so nobody will know where they are isn't Jesus himself being secret? And the answer is no. Jesus is being private. And it is very important for us to understand the difference. What is done in private is honest. Private absolution is the very first thing that comes to mind. There is nothing more honest than private absolution when you own up to your sins all by yourself. The reason private absolution is private is not because it is dark and immature and destructive and dishonest. It is private because it is just the opposite, mature and honest and constructive and light. And yet it is private because it is often so horrible and so taxing and so full of anguish that not everybody can bear it. I suppose it's something like the first time medical students see a body opened up from stem to stern. Not everybody can take that. The proof text, you see, is if the light is shined on private absolution, it wouldn't scurry away. It would flourish, and it would live strong as an example to others. We saw that in Bible study last week in John chapter 8. So isn't it great that Jesus, so close to you and so close to me, so close that he died for our horrible sins, comes with truth and light and healing and community to his church. And everything is made new. To make his point, Jesus picks up a very small child and brings him to the middle of all his disciples and says, the kingdom of God, the church, this body I am trying to build, this community, In this thing, the first is last, and servants are masters, and children are kings. Why? Because of who children are. They really can't sneak around in secret. They're not old enough to do that and not that clever. They really can't push anybody away, not Jesus, and certainly not the other disciples. They're just not that strong. And children believe what you tell them. When Jesus says he loves them and cares cares for them so much that he goes for the cross, they accept that as a good which he intends for them. And they like to be together as a group. Children like to play. In the church, that is what we are meant to seek. That is what we are to welcome. That's what we're to aim at. That sort of spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus and His cross and the church put together as one. And when you welcome children, or perhaps more ap- apropos for you and me, when we welcome people who would live as children, people who would live in faith and light and honesty, then we also welcome Jesus and also welcome His Father. And suddenly the Holy Trinity is here, and all the gaps are closed between God and us. And he gives us his gifts, and suddenly the gaps are closed between us and us. And we become what we are meant to be, the community of God, heaven here on earth. All the saints together, gathered for the life of the world. One thick, rich, dense, sacramental, eschatological, communal church given to words of witness and acts of mercy, just like Jesus, living in honesty between God and us and us and us, pulled very close together and pulled in just behind him so God gets what he wants, a strong church in a broken world and all his children back. That is what we are meant to be. And that is what you and I will be if we will have the Jesus who comes to us. In his holy name, amen.